This is Jimmy Jernigan, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of Wood Podcast. What is going on, Daily Dose of Wood patients? It's September. It's definitely September because that weather shift has been crazy. It's not a gradual transition where we gradually get into colder weather. It was pretty sudden where the temperature just dropped and all of a sudden it's been fucking frigid at night, which is kind of a good thing and a bad thing. I don't hate fall, but I don't love it. I definitely prefer summer all year round. This podcast is brought to you by Trace Palms, the best rum punches on Long Island, if you haven't already. Go check them out. They're located on the water in Babylon. Best rum punches, great fries, and great burgers. The NFL also wrapped up week two of the regular season, and boy, were there a lot of injuries. My boy Saquon went down. Bozo went down. A lot of guys went down. ACL injuries were crazy on Sunday, and I did hear they were questioning the new Meadowlands surf. Could that have played a role in some of these guys going down with injuries, especially a lot of the 49ers? We'll get into that later, but first I want to bring you guys the conversation I had earlier with Rob Eiler, who played AJ Soprano in the show The Sopranos, one of my personal favorites up there with The Office, two of the best TV shows in history, I believe. We had a lot of good conversation, he had a lot of funny stories, so I won't get into too much more. So without further ado, let's welcome on Rob Eiler. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Let's start off with, tell me how an Irish-looking kid lands a role in one of the most famous Italian TV shows to date. Uh, well, at the time, I was like 200 pounds, so I probably looked like I ate a lot of pizza. <laughs> and um, there, was, there were, I don't know if it was hundreds or what, but a ton of kids were auditioning for the show. Okay. And um, I think when they all, because the kids were like 11 years old or something, so when they all cursed, it was very like, oh fuck you know and it was like a big deal and like i went in the room and i was like yeah it's fuck shit like are we done here you know like i was ready to, i was just like yeah okay and they loved that david chase still says like yeah when we did the audition he laughed every time you know did that come from your new york origins you're from new york right i'm from new york uh my parents had me when they were young and and my mom had a younger brother who i loved hanging out with them, being around and everybody was just very like fast paced, New York, went to public school, all that. And I just, and like a lot of kids in the acting thing, it like means so much to them. And it's like, I want to be on Broadway and this. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care. Like, this is cool if I do a commercial or if I get something or whatever, but if I don't like it, it, it doesn't matter to me. So I just, I think they liked the attitude that I kind of went in with, which was just like, I don't really care. And that show, The Sopranos, was that filmed in New Jersey? Uh, so the first episode was all New Jersey. And then once it, once they realized we were going to have to film a lot more episodes, they built a studio uh, in Queens. Or okay. they built inside of a studio in Queens. They made my room, Jamie's room, the kitchen, the living room, all that stuff you see in every episode is all fake, except for when we're in the backyard. That's the only time we would go back to Jersey. Wow. What was that like filming at your age at the time and going to school? How did you balance both? It's, it sounds crazy, but it just wasn't a big deal to me. You know, I would, mm-hmm. I would go to school and I was 
13, 14, 15, none of the kids ever watched HBO, saw Sopranos, knew anything about it, never spoke about it. And then the time where it was weird is when I'd be around adults, you know, or like 16 years old, there was, I remember there was like a club in Jersey and they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll pay you to come out here for like teen night or whatever. And I was like, all right. And I showed up and I was like, oh, this is, this is crazy. You know, it was definitely, uh, you know, it was nuts. Yeah. When did it start hitting you that you're like, all right, I'm famous now. People are starting to pick up on the show, The Sopranos, because at first no one really expected it to be as big as it was going to be, right? Yeah, well, I mean, not that it hit me when I was famous, but the first time that it hit me that this was going to be something was they called us and they were like, yeah, if you go to Times Square, there's a billboard with your face on it. And it was just all of us in Times Square in the middle. And my like, we got in the car, my family went. And we saw the billboard and I was like, oh, that's nuts. You know, like yeah. seeing your face up in Times Square, that's crazy. But then I don't really remember a time where Sopranos came out and it wasn't big, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of shows like Seinfeld or these other shows that talk about like, yeah, the first two years was rough. It was like, I feel like as soon as Sopranos came out, people just, and but I was also living in New York and working in New Jersey sometimes. We would still go to Jersey to film other like on location stuff. And uh, people in Jersey just went nuts for it. There was a pretty big age gap with you and Jamie and the rest of the crew. What was that like being on set and, you know, being one of the younger guys? Somewhere like 15, 16, even I started smoking weed and drinking when I was like 11, 12. So like, you know, when I was fifth, the kind of the whole reason they wanted me for the audition was like, oh, he kind of seems like a little adult, you know? So like, when by the time I was 15, anytime that there was like any kind of party we had, I'd be like sneaking drinks. And, you know, so there was definitely the time of like 13, 14 years old where they treated me like a kid, but it was pretty fast that I felt like they realized like, okay, there's, there's no point in treating him like a kid when he's, you know, standing outside smoking cigarettes with everybody and this and it, they, which is great because they never made me feel, you know, weird or yeah. I was just very accepted, you know? Now, when you went to, like, premiere parties and different, you know, outings for the show, were you drinking at these these parties at a young age? Every, every single one, yeah. And no one was giving you shit or saying anything? No, I mean, you know, I would get, like, a vodka cranberry so they wouldn't really be able to prove, like, oh, we know what he had. Like, I wouldn't be walking around with a Heineken until I was, yeah. like, eight But, yeah, and they would know, you know, because because I'm Irish, like, my, my face gets red when I drink, and okay. I, you know, they could tell I'm, like, sweating all over the place, and dancing and singing and they were like you know there were also it was funny because the women on the show mostly Edie was the one who was very like motherly and Mm. she wasn't really you know as soon as the parties would start to kind of things would start to go down she would make her way out you know like I don't think she wanted to see anybody drinking and partying and hanging out but then there were people like Drea who I've had on my podcast who's like would love to, she'd be, you know, she was down to party all night and hang out with us. And uh, yeah, she, she never treated me like, uh, you know, she never tried to be a mom or anything. Aida Totoro would a little bit, like she would be like, are you all right? Like me. And then once I turned a little bit older, I remember like she, uh, we had to fly out to the Emmys and I was, I was probably 16 or 17 and I had smoked weed every day for like, the last four years, like never wow. missed a day. And I got to LA and I, I didn't even think about it. Like I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. I don't have weed. And she, uh, hid like 
a couple of joints in her pussy for the flight. <laughs> and she like, she was like, Hey, here, come here. And she gave me like half a joint. And I was like, Oh, thank And then the next day she was like, yeah, that was in my vagina for her. <laughs> oh, that's and, uh, funny. And I, I'm not outing her. I brought this up on my podcast and we don't do it live. So I told her, I'm like, anything, if you want me to edit that out, let me know. She's like, no, it's fine. You know, she doesn't care. That's great. And I've heard that you guys were very close knitted, you know, the cast, like a family type mentality. And then you just had the, you know, 20th reunion about a year ago, two years ago. How was that? And what was it like seeing some of those people that you haven't seen in a while? It was great. You know, it's even if we don't see each other for a while, everybody, you know, keeps in, in contact, at least holidays and, and stuff like that. But um, to compare it to when you're when you have those friends where you're like, oh, I, I could not see you for a year or two years. And I think like, I saw you yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, like I now that I'm seeing Jamie all the time. I miss her the same when I don't see her for like three years or if I don't see her for a week. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, you know, how how are you? You just, it's, it's that, it's that family thing, you know? Let's get into that. How you guys came up with the pajama podcast and where that started and where it's at now. Uh, So we always talked about, you know, we want to do a podcast together and and then we went to New York for the 20th anniversary. And after we recorded all the stuff that we had to do. We went back. We were like, all right. She's like, I'm going to go to my room and get in my pajamas. I'm like, I'm going to go to my room and get in my pajamas. And we'll meet and smoke a joint and talk. And we're smoking and we're sitting there talking. We're like, this is what we want the podcast to be. Like, we don't want it to be any kind of like, you know, uppity, like oh, high production. This, it's like, we want to be sitting around in our pajamas, you know, smoking, talking, laughing, talking about old stuff, talking about like, there's times where we don't talk about Sopranos for four episodes. And then there's times where something comes up and it's, it's relevant. But then we were sitting in our pajama pants and we're like, why don't we just call the podcast pajama pants podcast? And I was like, okay. So that's, I told her I would move out to LA to start it. And I did. And uh, we started recording the day after I moved to LA. Oh, that's crazy. And that's what you're doing full time. Now the podcast, are you have any shows or movies in the works coming up? Uh, Things are slow now, obviously. Yeah, but I, when I was 22, I told my manager, like, give me six months off. And he was like, okay. And then um, that turned into a year, two years. And then I told him, I was like, I'm going to Vegas for two weeks uh, to, like, party and play poker. And I ended up staying for a year and a half. Wow. So he, yeah, he knew, you know, like, there's no point in me trying to get him to work or sending him scripts and any of this stuff. And, you know, I, I like acting. I enjoy it. But, um it's, I don't want it to sound fucked up, but it's like you play baseball for the Yankees for, you know, 10 years and it's the only baseball you ever played. And then people are like, all right, you want to keep playing baseball, but you have to do it here with this team. You don't know anybody like they're not that great. And like, yeah, yeah I just, I did a couple of things after Sopranos and it didn't feel the same. Like I, I, it was very like people showed up, they did their work, they went into their campers and they went home uh, where Sopranos, it was like, we would all be sitting around laughing and, you know, always spending time together. And it was just, uh, it was a big family. And I love that, you know? Now, I don't know how deep you want to go into this, but you said you went to Vegas. You had a great time. I'm assuming in those younger years of your life. And then you got, you got sober. What did it mean to you to get sober and still sober now? Right? Yeah. I mean, I'll smoke weed, uh, which I don't really count that, but I also am not somebody who like runs around saying I'm sober all the time, but I just, uh, yeah, I haven't, drank or done hard drugs in like seven and a half years or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I went to Vegas for two weeks, like brought a suitcase as if I was going for two weeks and 
I played in the I went to play in the World Series of Poker, and I got 275th place in the main event, and it it paid uh, forty thousand dollars. Wow! So all right, I'm just gonna take this and pretend like I never had it. I'm gonna put it into an account and pay my rent for a year and hang here and party and have my friends come visit and this. So I did that. And, uh, yeah, it was crazy, man. The, the number of stories that I have, and it's basically, I look at it now, you know, it was 10 years ago. I look at it now as like the greatest thing ever, because when I do get married or if I settle down with a girl, it's like, listen, you don't have to, I'm not sitting here laying in bed wondering like, man, what would it be like to exactly this for a year and go to strip clubs every night and party and gamble and just be with my friends. Like, I've done it. I get it. I don't want to do it anymore. You know, I, I had enough. You have any crazy party stories to share or any crazy party stories with other celebrities? I never, I never want to out any other. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, there's one night that always stands out for me, which is like, we're in Vegas. I don't even know if I was living there at the time, but we went to Vegas and we're at, we go party for all day party at night and then when everybody's like oh it's three o'clock are we leaving that was when you go to spearman rhino have you been to vegas yeah i've been to vegas right so you've been to the rhino yeah right so it was like three three thirty and everyone's like oh it's time for the rhino and we got to the point where we went to vegas so much we didn't even like going to clubs anymore it was like we would want to pop into the club for an hour just to be like yo can we we'd go like this yeah like <laughs> the rhino and then it was like yeah let's let's go to the that was like so we didn't have to talk yep. to each other something like that somebody would call it the limo and the limo comes and pick you up. And for people who haven't been to the Rhino, the Rhino is not like every other strip club where it's like you walk in and girls are just like, do you want to dance? No. Okay, fine. Like, it's like you're at a club exactly. where the music's great, everything's fun, and there happens to be strippers all over the place, you know? And um, so we went to the Rhino, and we're there for like two hours. All my friends leave, and I had seen one of my friends who I knew from Vegas, so – we're hanging out and he's like, yo, my friend just texted me. There's like five girls at, uh, at a hot tub in his building. If you want to go, I'm like, yeah, of course. So we go there. We start, he has like a ton of Molly and then a, a bottle of gray goose and a gallon thing of orange juice. So oh, I pour wow. out, like, yeah, I pour out like half of the, uh, orange juice and I put the, all the gray goose in it and I start just cracking Molly's into the, the, <laughs> uh, the juice and the, the yeah, gallon. gallon of orange juice. So now it's like three hours later, we're having a ball. And so one of the guys there is like, yo, I have two cars coming to get us to take us out to our house. Uh, and I hadn't lived in Vegas yet. Cause I remember not like Vegas to me was the strip, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't even think about like, Oh shit, we're going off the strip. This is before Ubers and everything. So, but I was just, I'm fucked up. I'm like, yeah, of course let's go. So we get into the cars and it was at the time, remember the phantoms, those cars where they had curtains on them. Yes, like yes, yes, yes. Phantoms were the big deal. That it was like, oh, Jay-Z got a phantom. You know, yeah. somehow this guy had, I don't know if both cars were phantoms, but I know the one we got in was a phantom. And, like, we shut the curtains and we're partying in the fucking car. And we get to the house. We're partying. Like, a couple hours goes by, and I look, and I only have one cigarette left. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to smoke this cigarette. I'm going to go get another pack. So I walk out the front door. I'm walking, I'm walking. All of a sudden, I turn around, I look, and every fucking house is the same. They and all I'm look like, the same in Vegas in, like, the desert? Yeah. So now I'm like, yo, I don't even, and I'm fucked up. And I'm like, man, I don't know which house is this house. So I start, like, going over by houses and listening. Dogs start barking <laughs> and shit. I'm like, all right, I, I got to get out of here. So in my fucked up head, I just start walking. 
And uh, I walked for a while. And then I called up this girl who was actually a, a stripper who I knew. And I'm like, hey, you got to come find me. Like, this is what I see around me. And she's like, what are you th- That's everywhere in Vegas. Like, what are you talking? And it took her hours, but she drove around and found me. This is before the pin drop and everything because. This is before I had like, a, I think I had like the blue Nokia maybe. Like, or, or like a Nokia like that. Yeah, it was before all that shit. I was probably 22 or 23. I don't know. Maybe I was up to like a BlackBerry, but there was no like, I remember not being able to Google shit. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Like, it was that long ago. Like, so she comes and uh, she finds me and she was so mad at me or whatever. And she's like, what, what's your problem? Like, what were you doing? And I was like, I thought I grew up in New York City. Like when you need another cigarette, you just go. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like you're like, I'm going to go find a pack of cigarettes and it takes five minutes and you come back to the party. And I was like, yeah, I would have. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I would have grabbed the fucking Gatorade and a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> I, I was like, I didn't know there wasn't a store for six miles. And, and I didn't look at the outside of the house I was in. And, uh, you know, so that's that's one that sticks out as a, as a real dumb move by me. But it was it was fun, you know. Yeah, Vegas is a fucking sick time. Did you – so when you left, were you still gambling? Do you still dabble in the gambling? Big time, yeah. Hell yeah. I, I'm, so, I'm so happy football's back. Hell Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable man i had sunday was was big for me i had both so this is week this is coming up on week three both first two weeks were winning for me nice uh yeah i love it man especially now like during because usually i would focus on poker Mm -hmm. and like for fun sports betting where now it's almost like with the pandemic i'm not going to play poker at all i'm focusing on sports on uh, not even sports because i haven't in like when baseball came back and basketball, I was like, I'm just not into it. And then I was no. like, oh man, I hope it's not, I hope that doesn't happen with football. And then football came and it was like the greatest thing. Oh yeah. So nice. I, oh my God. It was on the Thursday kickoff was just unreal. Who's your team? You know, what's funny when you start gambling as much as I was like, you start to realize like having a team is, is a, is a downfall, you know? Cause yeah. then like you do, you want to bet on them or like you don't want to bet against them and all this shit. So Obviously, the Yankees are in my blood. Like, I can't shake it. But besides that, I just don't have any teams, you know? Like, yeah. I'm just – I'm all focused on, like, the numbers, gambling, the the wanting to win. Because, like, you know, you just – you start to get attached to, like, stupid shit, you know? I'm like, I don't – I can't bet against the Giants. That's like, why not? Everyone else is fucking making right. money betting against the Giants. Like, don't be stupid. This, this weekend, my bad bet of the week, I bet on the Jets for the first time in, like <laughs> – Five fucking years or Jets something. Suck. So dumb. I, I was like, what am I, I? I never bet on the fucking Jets, but I heard some guy on a podcast and I was like, this sounds like, this sounds like a good bet. Convincing. Because you know? they're like 49ers are going to have to run the ball. Jets are only good at stopping the run. Kittle's out. Garoppolo's not looking good. And I'm like, I, I bought into it, you know? Being from New York, it's tough betting on your New York sports team. Is It never works out well. With the Yankees, It's it's worked out this year with them being yeah. so hot. Do you have any memorable big losses or big wins from your gambling days? <laughs> big yeah, swings. All the above, man. I, I remember uh oh, but you know what else sucks about being from New York is like you wanna like I look at it as there's so many friends I have who I know where when their grandkids ask them, like, wow, you got to watch Tom Brady play football, and they're gonna be like, Tom Brady fucking sucks. And it's just like, man, that's such a that's such a shitty way to look at yeah. things. You know, it's like, you're going to be 60 years old and people are going to want to hear like, what was it like to watch the greatest quarterback? You know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like you got to, right. You, you were alive during the Tom Brady show, and it's like, Oh, I hate him. Like, you know, it's like, dude, just respect, you know, whoever's good. Who's ever, 
Hundred percent. As far as big losses, I mean, I only would lose big if I already won big. You mm-hmm. know, so I, I wouldn't go. I when I moved to Vegas, I made like the maximum on my debit cards a thousand dollars. So just like for the craziest night I could have, it would be like, oh yeah, you lost a grand. You know, but uh, there were times where I would be up, you know, fifteen, twenty grand, and and lose it all in thirty seconds. Quick swings. Yeah, there was one time where I was at the Rio because the Rio was the only place that would let me stay for like 30 days for super cheap. And then, cause in Vegas after 30 days, you have to leave and check back in. Cause they don't want people starting like poor houses and drug houses yeah. and like all the shit out of hotel rooms. So I had a uh, host at the Rio who would be like, listen, I can't keep giving you free rooms. Cause I would just go and be like, Hey, I'm staying for a week. And she was like, you say that every time. And then you stay for three months, you know, you yeah. check out, walk downstairs with your bag, check out, check back in. So as a girl, she's like, I have to charge you something just so it looks like I'm not letting you live here for free. So I would pay $19 a night and it would be like wow. 580 bucks a month, you know, and I, I was living at the Rio basically. And I would be like, I remember the point of the story was I was downstairs one time at uh, the roulette tables and I had, cause when I was partying hard, sports were too slow for me. Like I'd be like, I need roulette. Like, yeah, I need, yeah, you need the I rush. Yeah, I'd be all coked up. I'd be like, yeah, I can't watch a four-hour game and have one bet on it when I could watch roulette for four hours and have a million right. bets on it. I came down. I probably had like $1,000 to start, and I think I started with two stacks of green chips, which is $1,000, and I started betting like $25 on numbers, and then I, I hit, and I was like, all right, $50 on numbers, and, then, and next thing I know, I had all the green chips that they had for the roulette area and it was uh 34 stacks of no way yeah so i have like seventeen thousand dollars and they're like all right we got to start paying you in like hundreds or whatever and i'm tipping great i'm having a ball yeah. like, i'm buying everybody around like whatever like, whatever you know drinks are free but i'm like tipping the waitress for everyone i'm like we're taking shot i had like a bottle of patron like it just in front of me uh i told her i was like no i only want to be paid in green chips and like the, the floor guy was just must have been having a bad day and he's like no tell him if he doesn't want the black chips like he could go. And I was like, all right, then I'll go. I was like, cash me out. And they gave me like $17,000 in chips and I just grabbed them and walked away. And then I went and like probably lost it somewhere else. Yeah. That's sick. Whenever you get those big wins, you want to just want to keep going and then you can't get out once you're going down. Cause you want to chase that, that high that you were at. And then there was, there was one other time where I was down to zero and I had maxed out my credit card. I'm with my boy hack. I'm like, yo, let me get a, a, a G He's like, all right. And he gives me a yellow chip and we're walking by a roulette table. And I just fucking, as he hands it to me, I just turn and I put it on red and he's like, yo, chill, chill. Like, you know, he wanted it to be like, let's, let's go to the rhino. Let's have a good night. You have a thousand dollars now. And I was like, nah, fuck it. And it was like, think, but a bing, think red. And it falls in the thing. I'm like, yeah, I grabbed the two chips. I give, I don't even, I'm the, you know, I, I didn't tip, which I usually am a good tipper at, at the casino, but I don't even tip. I just grabbed a thousand. I'm like, come on, let's go. And there was a room that was like high limit Baccarat. And I had never played Baccarat in my life. And I'm like, yo, let's just, let's just go in there. And he's like, nah, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, I'm like, fuck it. Come on. This is free money. I'm like, I just want to play. It's probably the only casino in the whole, the only game in the whole casino I hadn't played. Didn't know. I'm like, I don't know how to play either. So I'm like, all right, we sit down. They're teaching me. And it's like me and like 24 Asian people, you know? Always. They're always at the high roller section in the weird games. Especially the Baccarat, like they were strictly, so we're in there, we're playing, and right away, I just, I start betting like $300 a hand, I think that might have been, or the minimum maybe was 100 or two or three, but I remember like 300 a hand, boom, next thing I know, it's like 
14,000, 15,000, 16,000. And like now I'm yelling at people at other tables, like, you want to win? <laughs> you want to win? Come over, sit over here. My friends who had, because I think it was like the World Series of Poker time. So I had a bunch of friends who were there. My friends are calling other poker guys. Go, you got to come see what Rob's doing in the fucking high stakes locker room at Bellagio. So next thing you know, I'm up to like 25 grand. Crush and off and that original G chip that your friend gave you. Yeah, and they paid me in uh, flags, which are like the red, white, and blue chips. And I had never been paid in flags. They were like, oh, we want to cash out your like 500 chips. And they gave me a $5,000 chip. And I was like, wow, I've never Jeez. fucking and handed a $5,000 chip. So now I get up to like 24, 25, and I'm, I, this is, I'm wasted. I'm like, this is the greatest night ever, you know? Yeah. And then it starts going down. So it's like, uh, you know, 20, 20, uh, 24, 23, 22, 21. And my friend is like, yo, you're getting out of here. Like, I'm not going to let you lose this. So I'm like, oh, I agree. I'm like, okay. I cash out. They give me four $5,000 chips and one like uh, yellow chip. So 21 grand. And we're all walking out. We're like, yo, that was crazy. We're laughing, whatever. And all of a sudden they turn around. And I'm at a roulette table. Oh, like, God. Because there was a roulette table when you were leaving the high stakes room. Of course. I was, I was like, I, I had never played high stakes roulette. I'm like, I got to do this. So I, I lose the thousand in one spin. I break the 5K chip. And, and my friend's like, yo, you just were losing like 1,500 a spin. And he's like, when you got to like 16, you had like 16,000 left or 15,000. He was like, I grabbed you. I was like, yo, we're out of here. They took me and I was like, no, chill. Like, let me play. They took me into the car. They took me up to my room and they're like, yo, we're chilling with you until you go to bed. So we know that you wake up with $16,000. And I was like, all right. So that, that was one of the few times, you know, I probably in all the time I spent in Vegas, there were probably three or four times only where I woke up and was like, wow, I did really well last night. Went out on top. When I was sober, I, I would do good all the time. But when I was drinking, it was like, even if I had, I went out with 500 bucks and I turned it into 3000, which would be an amazing night. I would just lose it. You yeah. Know? Always. What was it like getting some of those bigger checks when you first started the Sopranos at your age? What was it like to have that money at that young age? You know, that was never like really a thing for me. Like no? I, I moved out when I was uh, 18 and I was getting paid good, but I moved into like a small apartment in a brownstone. Like I just always, you know, like my family just taught me to like value a dollar. I've never lived in a place that was bigger than like a small two bedroom. You know, I'm in a one bedroom now. I'm pretty much always in a one bedroom, but like Vegas, it's easy to get a two bedroom. Yeah. You could in Vegas, I had a two bedroom in like the nicest building in Vegas for like 2,200 bucks a month. Wow. You know, and it's like, like Trump towers. It looks like Trump towers. It wasn't Trump towers, but it's like the gyms and the spas and all this shit. And there were, and I got it furnished. So you could get it not furnished for like probably 1600 bucks a month. That's crazy. What's it like now living in California? Because California and New York, two completely different places. Do you like it? Uh, I, for me, it's like there's where you're from. Where Long Island? Long Island. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's like there's New York and then there's everywhere else. You know, so it's like if I have to live in California or Texas or Washington or the, it, it doesn't Florida, like it's all this. If I'm not in New York, I don't really care where I am. Yeah, you know, but uh. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not really my thing. You know, it's, it's what I love about New York city is like, you don't have to make plans. And like, if I, if I was going somewhere and I'm going to eat after that, I'm walking by my friend's place. I'll text them like, yo, you yeah. You want to come down? Yeah. Like walk by the water, smoke a joint. Like you could have a full day or like a night and not plan shit. We're in LA. It's like, 
you, you have to get in your car, you're going to someone's house usually, or you're going to a restaurant, so you have to make some kind of plan. And I'm the type of dude who like, I won't see anyone for three weeks. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't want to fucking make a plan. I don't want to be like, hey, you want to go to dinner Friday at eight? Because then on Thursday night, I'm like, oh, I don't want to fucking go to dinner tomorrow. Like, you know, always. I'm like, I just, I don't want to do whatever I, I started going to the gym out here and all these guys are like, you know, uh, we, you have a free training session with your membership. And I was like, dude, I can't plan a, a training session. And they're like, what do you mean? Just plan like Wednesday at one o'clock. As soon as they say something like that, I just clam You're up. Done. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I need to wake up and feel out when I want to go to the gym. I couldn't like my friends in Vegas would be like, yo, let's go to the gym at two o'clock tomorrow. And I'd be like, I can't plan that far in advance because I don't drink coffee. I don't do any sort of like pre-workout. So okay. I'm like, if I'm not feeling it, there's nothing that gets me in the zone. Like uh, I could try listening to music and shit, but it's, it's, it's really like, I got to either feel ready or I'm just not, I'm not going to do it. You know, yeah. there's certain things where I'm like, I, I can't do this shit on somebody else's. hundred percent. I feel you, you lived in Long Island your whole life. Yeah. I'm out here uh, in West Islip, Suffolk County, further obviously than Nassau. But yeah, I've been on Long Island my whole life. A lot different so where, than the city. Where were you partying and where are you still partying? I went up to school in New Hampshire, Keene State College. And that was a pretty small school, but a very big party school. It was, uh, they had this thing called Pumpkin Fest back two years before I went there, and it was all over the news, all over CNN, where they just, like, thousands of people came in from all different colleges and just, like, rioted and was crazy, crazy. Died down after that, but I still uh, had a good time there. But I'm out in uh, Long Island in the summer to go over to Fire Island. I don't know if you ever heard of Fire Island before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My boys go to Fire Island. They they love it over there. But my, I, I had a, like... A couple year love affair with the Hamptons, where it was like Montauk I mean, just, too. Have you? No, no. I, I went to Montauk like twice, or it was too quiet out there for me. Like I, I was, I was more of like uh, going to remember like Pink. How old are you? Twenty three. Twenty three. I right, see. So yeah, this is before your time, but there were places like Pink Elephant and like SL East and like all these places where it was just. It was funny because girls, we I would go out in the city like seven nights a week. But somehow girls would act like going to the Hamptons was like going to Vegas, you know, like it was like, oh, we're in the Hamptons. Anything goes. And it's like where we could be home and uh, we could catch a cab and be home in yeah. an hour and a half. Like, you know, but somehow just the Hamptons, it was always like it was just this crazy. I guess people who are from New York City are just not used to being in like houses with a backyard and like a pool and a this. So it just would make people get nuts. You know, have you ever been to Bordy Barn or heard of Bordy Barn? Forty barn? No. That's in the Hamptons. It's a big Sunday thing where thousands of people go, and it's just under, like, a big tent. They got a DJ and just, like, dollar beers. That's been going on forever. I was never, even, like, when I was doing Molly all the time, I was never, like, a thousand-person party kind of guy, you know? Like, I was more of, like, like, there were a couple times where I went to, um, uh, in, in Mexico, Playa, you know what it is? Playa del Carmen. Playa I have an del- idea what you're talking about. I've seen like spring break videos from, from there, yeah. like thousands and of kids they, they would have like those crazy big parties where the DJ sounded like he was playing the same song for like eight hours. Yeah. And like they would start, like there were places that we would go at like 2 a.m. and people would be like, oh, you're here too early. Like, you know, like the, the party didn't start yet. And we'd be like, well, like there was this place called the Blue Parrot or like some kind of parrot something. Yeah, it was yeah. Just a, People and people down there would go nuts. Like just people were out of there. There would be people with like briefcases and they'd open it and it would just be all different drugs. drugs. 
and they were selling it and then whatever. And like, I'm not buying some drugs from some random no. in Mexico, you know, but I would see people just, there were no rules down there. It was, it was wild, but I was, I would like, when I would go to parties, I would prefer like 200 or less, you know, yeah. I, I couldn't handle those like insanely just wild. Everyone's sweating with like 5,000 people at a party. And you were, you were more of a club guy. Yeah, I was. So I started going to clubs when I was 17 in New York. And the first night I went out, the guy said to me like, Hey, if you ever want to come back here, just, just let me know. Like just say my name at the door or whatever. And he was the owner. And I went out every night for like the next five years. Oh, wow. Like if we weren't filming Sopranos, uh, like the next day or two days from there, I was, cause they would tell us like, all right, you have six months off. And people like Edie Falco would be like, oh, I'm going to go do a play or I'm going to, and I was like, I'm just going to drink. Like, yeah. you know, I'm going to party. I want to drink, I'm going to hang out. And there were places where it was like, you could, if they had like, security footage in the place you could spot me it's like okay tuesday from midnight to four he's gonna be standing on that couch but <laughs> monday night it was like lot 61 tuesday it was suede wednesday was there like pangea like all these places and it was just and again it's it's hard to look back and wonder like was shit better then or is it just because i'm older now or what but i do think that everyone like if there's a hundred people in a party, the fact that every single person in there has a video camera on them. I was just going to say phone, social media fucking ruins, ruins the, yeah, like everything. Ruins everything. And also I remember when I started going out at 17, it was like, where are we going? It was like suede on Tuesday. You would go into suede at midnight and you would leave when the lights came on. And then when social media became a thing, it became like, oh, everyone's over here. And then people would like go over there and then people would have left there to go where they were. And it was like, everybody was moving around trying to get to the next best party. And it was like, no, you make the party. Exactly. Like, you don't try and find the best part. Like it's just so, it became super corny to me. Everyone tries to put out and like show that they're having a better time instead of just having a fucking good time in the moment, living in the moment. People are always trying to prove that they're having a better time than everyone else or that they're doing something so magnificent but they're not just you know living in the moment yeah and people would always ask me like you know like that time 17 to 22 or even like 22 to 28 people would always be like how come you don't go on vacation ever like you never travel you know and i'd be like i could go to the bar on the corner and it's the same thing for me as going to like mexico or here or the, it's like i'm i'm hanging out having a good time now you don't have social media do you i was trying to find you no, so because I do a podcast now, we have one, which is uh, Pajama Pants Podcast on Instagram, but I don't have my own personal thing. You know, I've, I've probably, I probably was on it for like a year, maybe a little more when it first came out. And I was just like, I saw the way it made people act. I saw what it did to people. I saw, you know, when you don't have a nine to five job, it's very easy to like see things for what they are. And like, say, I'm not trying to like, you know, brag. That I, don't no, know. No, I, I know where I'm, you're coming from. Yeah. Like I'm super grateful about it. And this where it's like, if you do have a nine to five and you come home and you have kids and the, the fact that you might sit back and look at what social media is doing to people, which I, f I feel like people are doing now, but now that social media is like such a big thing and it's seven years later, but right in the beginning, I just saw it and I was like, I don't like how people are doing this and the Instagram and oh tag me and and this is where we are and look at what I look at what I did and people would be like I, I knew people in New York would be like I don't really want to go to that thing but like they'd want to get an Instagram of being at the and I'm like dude you're like you think you're gonna be on your deathbed and be like oh, I wish I got more likes you know or like I wish I I wish I Instagrammed for more party it's like it's it's all bullshit 
Have you watched Social Dilemma on Netflix? No, but people have been telling me about it. Dude, you got to watch it. It's fucking crazy. Just like everything you were kind of just saying, and it, like, shows you the stats of, like, how it's actually true, and social media is just taking over our whole society and how fake news gets spread and all that shit. It's it's crazy. You got to definitely give it a watch. How about having fun? Exactly. And also... I remember when I really deleted it was I used to love to walk by the water in the city. So like on the west side or the east side, like the Hudson River and just smoke a joint, walk like with nowhere to go. And there was like this amazing sunset that I was watching and there was an entrance to the walkway right there. And people would come in like jogging or walking or whatever. And they saw the sunset. They took out their phone, took a picture of it, and then had their head down in their phone for the next like 10 minutes. Missing the rest. Posting it, getting likes, talk, talking back to people, and I'm like, you're, you just lied that you're watching that. Like, you're not watching that. You, you, you didn't even look at it. Like, you didn't even take it in. And I was just, I was like, man, I don't like what. And it also kind of made me start to change my the way I thought of things. You know, like I would go to a really cool party or something, and then I didn't post anything or didn't take a picture there because I really never would. It was like you were never there, you know? Yeah. It was like people would be like, oh, why, why, like you want to... I like people telling me stories about shit they did. Like my friends would go away on vacation. And I'd be like, oh, let's go have dinner. We can talk about your vacation instead of like, oh, I saw your whole vacation. Come back from vacation. I haven't seen you in three weeks and I have nothing to talk to you about because I know every... I know the color of the fucking, you know, towel you use and I don't, I don't, you know. I love that. I love that, you know, you're, you stick to your original roots and I think life should be more directed towards that, you know. not No one likes to communicate anymore person to person. It's all through the phone, through the social media and you see it a lot when you go out, just people always on their phones, always on their phones, everywhere you go now. I hate it. It's, it's, you know, like I said, it's one of those things where like when you don't have a nine to five and you could really figure out what's going on in your body, it's like, okay, I know if I don't work out for four days straight, I get like this, you know, if I eat, if I eat bad for three days in a row, I start to feel like this. If I don't meditate every day, I start to feel like that. And it just, it becomes one of those things where it's like now every single day I wake up and it's like, I have to meditate. I have to eat healthy six days a week. I have to, I never take two days in a row off of the gym. Yeah, it's getting your mind right, right? Mentally, once you know your body and can control your mental state, you're, you're in a great, sounds like a great mental place right now. For sure. And it's also like, you know, something that's so great about like working out and going to the gym is like you're accomplishing things that you couldn't do before. So it's like, I remember walking into the first time I walked into my gym in my building. And they had like, uh, like I was benching with like 40 pound dumbbells. And I remember trying the 45s and I was like, oh, I can't do that. And then a couple of weeks later, I was like, oh, I can do this. And then it became, exactly. they only had up to 50 pound dumbbells. And I remember being like, oh, I need to start going to a gym because I need heavier dumbbells. So it was like seeing things that you would go, like when I was partying and drinking every day. And if I went, I can't do that. That was the end of it. Yeah. But then when you start working out and you're healthy and you're like, I, when you think, Hey, I can't do that. You're like, well, you could do this, this, that, that, that. you right. couldn't do this a month ago. Now you can do this, that you could run six miles. You could fucking do all this stuff. How do you know you can't do that? And it gives you that attitude of like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then you find out you can, instead of just going to the automatic, like when I think I can't do something, I can't do it. You know? Love that. I always say mental, like if you write mentally, you could fucking do anything. Nothing is impossible. You get right mentally. Sure. Again, it's one of those things about, not having that fucking nine to five where like 
I know yeah. people who are in a great mental state when they have a week off of work. And then they're like, I hate my boss. I hate waking up at 8 a.m. I hate the person I sit next to. And then it's like Friday's coming around. You hated your week. You probably want to get drunk or you just wake up hungover. You want to sit on social media and this. And I get it. You know, I'm like, fuck it. But when, when, if you are lucky enough, you know, and I, I'm so grateful for it that, uh, you know, I've had years to work on myself and figure shit out. It's, uh, it's great. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to grind this out, man. I'm trying to grind the podcast, just trying to grow and get bigger so I could eventually maybe turn this into a job. The 9 to yeah. 5 is just unhealthy, and no one, I don't know many people who get up and are excited to go to their 9 to 5. For sure. And I remember when I was younger, I would look at, like, a 9 to 5 in an office, and I would look at a 9 to 5, like, construction, and be like, man, those construction guys have it so bad. And now I'm like, I would, I would kill myself sitting in an office from nine to five compared to like, like, I can't believe I became a person who was like, please give me the construction. You know, yeah. like, I would rather just sitting in an office from nine to five is, but, but you know, there are some people who are doing what they love in that office. But for me, there's nothing that I love that would be sitting in an office no. for eight hours straight and enjoying it. And especially if you hate your boss and you don't, want to wake up at the sun, you have to take the train, the train's always packed and people are bumping into you. And then it's like, I, yep. I fucking get it. Like it, it's, it's not, it's not easy. hundred percent. Rob, man, thank you for joining us. If you're ever back in New York, man, hit me up. Absolutely, man. We'll go, uh, we'll go somewhere in Long Island where there's not 8,000 people under a tent. <laughs> I got to take you out to Fire Island if you're, you're back around, dude. I'd love to show you. God. I'm down. My boy Rich is always telling me about that place. He's like, yo, you got to come. You got to come. I'm like, all right, I'll check it out. Yeah, we got, I got the jet skis. I got the boat so we could whip right over. It's like a 15-minute ride from my house. Hopefully next summer it'll be cleared up. Absolutely, man. Well, have thanks for having me. If you like that conversation, be sure to subscribe up top at Daily Dose of Wood Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Daily Dose of Wood and subscribe to our YouTube page at Daily Dose. I love you guys. Stay loyal. I will see you next week. 2020, I came to fuck it up. Yeah. I want a long life, a legendary one. I want a quick death.